power on. Have you ever picked up your phone to do something specific and then be distracted by something entirely different than five, ten minutes goes by and you realize that you've wasted your time being entirely unproductive? It's similar to taking a trip to the grocery store to pick up necessities like eggs and milk only to walk away with items you have no need for. So why exactly are our phones so captivating? And why do we have this impulse to always check them? The most important apps on our phones, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, are designed to capture and hold our attention for as long as possible. The longer they can do this, the more they can sell ads and the greater their profits. Just to put it in perspective, Facebook as a company is valued at over $400 billion. We must realize that there are thousands of engineers, software developers, and behavioral experts on the other side whose job it is to keep us hooked. In other words, the addictive nature of these services is not accidental, it's by design. And our minds are simply not evolved to handle persuasive stimulus to this capacity. Let's think of the tactics that are often employed, whether it's the streaks on Snapchat, to the tags on Facebook. These are carefully crafted behavioral exploits. Even autoplay and video suggestions here on YouTube, all of these ploys are attempts by corporations to ratchet up their persuasive tactics. That's all an attempt to grasp your attention to keep those eyeballs on that screen. The second thing to consider is the nature of the human brain. You see, our brains crave dopamine. This is the neurotransmitter associated with pleasurable activities like food, sex, and drugs. Well, our phones are a constant source of dopamine. For instance, when we get a lot of likes on an Instagram picture or replies on a tweet, you feel an instant reward, a feeling of social approval, and humans live for this. And each time we go through this motion, the behavior is reinforced, the habit is further developed through a psychological phenomenon known as variable schedule rewards. This is essentially unpredictability that we find addictive. In fact, dopamine levels have been found to spike when variability is introduced. For example, let's look at Facebook again. Once you start scrolling through that feed, you never, you're never sure what you're gonna find. Whether it's the photos of your crush, comments on a post or just random comedy videos that a friend might have shared you're itching to find what's next this is the essence of any feed you find on a social network be it facebook linkedin twitter it's like a slot machine furthermore one of the reasons our phones are so addictive is because they provide solace during times of boredom loneliness and restlessness so whenever these feelings occur we automatically pull out our phones without a thought so that's the problem, the exploitative design of the apps that we frequently use, coupled with the hard wiring of our brains just doesn't pair very well. <laughs> it takes continuous and conscious effort to combat the impulsivity to check our feed every three seconds. So my recommendation is guard your mind like a temple and be purposeful with how you dedicate and what you dedicate your attention to. And that isn't to say don't use your phone for leisure purposes, but do so purposefully and understand that the goal of app designers is to capture and hold your attention for as long as possible, even if it comes at the cost of your productivity, happiness, and psychological well-being.
Earth, 2019. Dominant species, human. Galactic potential rating, zero. Cultural affiliation, combination of government and global businesses, corporatism, legacy institution. Species still conservative, superstitious, and religious. Ecologically illiterate, largely unaware of cosmological foundation of love. Level of technological dependence is disturbingly higher than the galactic standard. Species distracted and behavior controlled by technology companies. System error. Advanced concepts detected beyond normal human levels. New galactic potential rating, over 9000. Transmission type, podcast. Host, The Man of Tomorrow. Brian Sovereign. Source, Sovereign Tech. like no other a show like no other you know what it is it is time for sovereign tech and i am the golden stallion the man of tomorrow savzu the rated r radio star here for uh, another double load which means you get episodes back to back supposed to be a triple load last week but whatever crazy schedule in fact we'll talk a little bit about that in the beginning here but you are getting a double load this weekend you're going to get episodes back to back uh, as has been happening uh well about the past month or so but we'll be to back to your uh, same bat time, same bat channel, usual Sunday releases uh, starting next week. So anyway, uh, speaking of my schedule, I spent Thursday, I spent Thursday, that being, what was that, September, or no, October, this is what, October 3rd, right? I spent it in Boston, not too far away from home, but, uh, you know, here in uh, the, the Silicon Milliard of New Hampshire, but... <laughs> Uh, but went to Boston for the last pass, uh, well, it's last pass and twit as in twit.tv as in the podcast network. Uh, they were holding a joint event called unlocked and this, I, I, I've actually told people well, over the past, I guess, couple months, as soon as they announced it, that I would be there, um, for that event. And it was a cybersecurity and identity event like I, that that's kind of a subheader that they gave it um now i'll admit the big reason that i went for this and it was it went from about three o'clock or, or around three forty-five to and ended up going to about six o'clock uh and it was only one panel like it was not a bunch of panels it was only one and this was the one panel was the main reason that i was going to this because somehow they got Steve Gibson, <laughs> Steve Tiberius Gibson. They got him out of the house as it were. And, and on the East coast, uh, which I never, I mean, frankly, I, I thought wouldn't be possible, but I know. So he, Steve Gibson, of course, is the host of the security now podcast, my favorite podcast. And like sovereign tech, uh, one of the longest running tech podcasts in the world. Uh, they've been going, 
a few years longer than I have. Uh, I, I think they're on the order of, I don't know, 11 or 12 or however many years that they've been going. Sovereign Tech's only on eight, but, well, only compared to most podcasts. Are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, <laughs> eight's an eternity. Uh, but regardless, uh, my favorite podcast, and of course I consider Steve Gibson to be a, a personal hero, quite frankly. Um, and it was an absolute honor. Uh, I got to shake hands with him, got to got to meet him, have a little laugh. And if uh, if you actually if you follow me on Twitter at Sovereign Tech, you can see a picture of me and the man himself. Uh, and what an honor! What an honor it was. But there was a great panel uh, there. Actually, got to hang out with some Sovereign Tech listeners, uh, one of which uh, I'd yet to meet, but has been very gracious with me in the show, Uh, another who I consider to be a dear friend, um, and it was was awesome to catch up with with all of them, and there were more, and oh, just a great networking uh, event and ended up being a great time. But the panel, and and this is really it, it was like, you go there, uh, the, I guess the CEO of LogMeIn, which of course owns LastPass, um, and folks, I mean, I've recommended LastPass on this show for, for years and said, you know, look, if you're going to do a password manager, that's the one you're going to rock. Um, there's, there's an interesting comment to make around that, but we'll, we'll see what we get to, uh, uh, with that. So we have some, we, ha- we have a lot of stories to get into to some degree of ketchup, but we're going to get into it. I don't mean like ketchup and mustard. I mean, ketchup as in things that we've needed to talk about. Uh, but it's not like it was anything super timely. One of the stories is, we'll get into that, that was sent in by another great Sovereign Tech listener. Uh, sent, he actually sent it to me via via Twitter. Um, a couple of these, actually. Well, one I already had, and, and he sent it. Anyway, whatever. So we're going to talk about a little, a little signal later. We got a lot of Amazon to talk about. We're going to talk about Apple's U1 chip. I mean, all, and there's so much more that we're going to get into, including a great, great climax uh, that I, that I want to get into. And of course, we are finally going to discuss Simjacker, and it's important that we discuss it now because we find out that actually it was much, much worse than what we initially thought. So I'm glad we took the time on that one. Um, I'll probably talk more. So as far as the LastPass event, um, the unlocked, yeah, unlocked was was the name of it. Um, I I'll pr- I might go deeper into it in either future episodes or even on Zomia One only content, which is behind a paywall, folks. Of course, go to Zomia1.com and uh, you can't miss it. I actually I changed the website a little bit. Um, what's there, and now it's right on it's on the right hand side, just where before it was on the left hand side in a hamburger menu, and a lot of people couldn't find it, so I changed the website up a bit uh, to where it's on the right hand side, and you can't miss it now. It's right at the top. If you want to sign up for Zomia One Underground, you get access to thousands of hours of content, including where we might talk more about the unlocked event. So, and as well, we have live shows coming up too. So you're going to want to be a part of that because uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to to bring those back now that uh, Podbean, frankly, has, has given us the technology. So, <laughs> um, but the Unlocked event uh, or the LastPass event, how about I call it that? that? That way you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it ended up being one panel hosted by Leo Laporte. Like I said, initially there was an introduction by the, uh, the, the, the CEO of LogMeIn which owns LastPass. Uh, and, you know, he was just talking things up. Not a whole lot to say about that. But the panel uh, was hosted by Leo Laporte, of course, of Twit fame, um, as well as, if you remember back in the day, the screensavers and all this. Um, I mean, I have, I got to tell like, I, I've been watching Leo Laporte since I was a teenager. And <laughs> it was pretty amazing to, like, finally see him 
you know, like <laughs> in, in person. I mean, it was, it was really something. So anyway, um, Leo Laporte was there. Uh, I think it was the, I don't know, maybe it was like the guy who's the head of LastPass or, or he was CSO for a bunch of different companies. I forget his name and I apologize um, that, that, that I don't have his name handy. Oh, what am I talking about? It, no, it was, uh, Gerald, Gerald Bichelle. That's what it was. Gerald Bichelle. He was uh, the, the CISO of LogMeIn. So anyway, guy with a lot of experience, really brilliant guy. Everybody here was brilliant. So you had Leo Laporte, you had Gerald Bichelle, uh, Bill Cheswick, who often gets credited as creating the first firewall. Um, but I mean, a guy that has been around and it was fascinating, you know, to hear from a mind like that. Um, and of course, really the, the main draw, like I had said earlier, was Steve Gibson himself. And this panel, I mean, was, was absolutely fascinating. And like I said, it went almost two hours, um, that, they, that they were talking and it, it really, the conversation ran the gamut. Uh, it did not, I did not feel like it went really technical. Okay. And it did not also, which I think a lot of people were expecting. I think a lot of people were expecting it to turn into a conversation around squirrel, which is SQRL, which is Steve Gibson's password replacement, uh, uh, I dare say it's an infrastructure, but we'll say protocol technology, uh, that I have been, you know, excited for, he's been developing it for years. We've talked about it on sovereign tech for years. It is finally out there. It is live. It is real. There are apps available for pretty much every platform. Uh, and it did not really turn into a big advertisement for that though. Steve Gibson has been literally going around the world just in the past couple months or the past few months anyway. Uh, you know, doing presentations and, and meetups for squirrel. Now it's a technology that I'm very excited about because again, it does replace, um, you know, passwords and basically you have a handshake of QR codes that, that, that it does. Uh, and it just, it, it's really slick. Um, the, the event itself, if you want to hear it, Leo Laporte did say they are going to release a podcast version of the, of the conversation of the talk, there weren't any slides or anything. So a pod, an audio version of it would be fine. Um, I was, you know, he, he mentioned that early on cause otherwise I had brought my little H one N and I was going to, uh, I was going to record it myself, but that ended up not being necessary at all. So the conversation was interesting. I mean, again, you have real heavy hitters in the cybersecurity space here, Bill Cheswick, Steve Gibson, I mean, Leo, you know, to his own degrees and, 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 and Gerald, uh, you know, they, they were, I mean, these are guys that know their shit. Um, uh, I'll admit I found myself shaking my head a lot. You know, I was just like, uh, uh no, no, <laughs> I wasn't really disagreeing with Steve Gibson. In fact, maybe the most shocking thing that was said. So, well, well, here's a few of the shockers. So Bill Cheswick, um, pretty much everybody there was saying, oh yeah, because they were asked a question. This leads into nicely how we're going to, what we need to talk about at the beginning of this, uh, this week's episode of Sovertech. Everybody there uses like Alexa or Siri or Google assistant or something. And I was really, really surprised by that, that that was the thing. Um, the only one there who basically said they didn't was Steve Gibson, which fucking kudos. Right. But what was really interesting there is they were talking about like securing home networks. Again, it didn't get super technical. There were a couple points where it might have, um, but it, it, 
anybody could have attended this and anybody I think could have really kept up with the conversation. And especially if these aren't things aren't, you know, like the identity, uh, software, you know, like, uh, biometrics and things like this and passwords. Like if this is something you haven't thought about, I mean, this would have been a mind blowing conversation for you. And I'm not saying it wasn't a great conversation, even for the technically minded. It was very interesting, but the, the thing that really blew my mind again, was that everybody had an Alexa that was on that stage. Also, they were all so, and, and this is where I kind of disagree with Steve Gibson. It seemed like maybe Leo was the only one that kind of pushed back a little bit. Like everybody was on board with biometrics. And th that, that was strange to me. You know how we feel about biometrics on Sovereign Tech. I mean, that, that's just the worst fucking idea. Uh, though we did have uh, myself and a dear friend of mine that were at the event. We, we did come up with a startup idea of how to solve, um, you know, when you're, which we talked about on the show, actually, where there was that leak uh, from a company of all of their, you know, they had biometrics set up as security company wide. And all of that data was leaked. And, you know, what's the issue there, right? You can't change your thumbprint, you know, like if, if there was a leak of passwords at a company, you can just change the password. But if there's a leak of biometric data, well, you're fucked, you know, like, I mean, again, you, you, you're going to have to completely change because you can't use biometrics anymore unless you're going to bring in an entirely new workforce, which good fucking luck with that. Right. Um, but we had an idea and well, I guess I'll say it here. So we're going to do a startup, uh, that that is going to look into starfish and how they <laughs> how they can regenerate limbs and so then you know when your biometric uh, data does leak you know uh the security guy you know your it guy can come up to you and it's like all right look we're just we're gonna have to cut your thumb off don't worry we have this spray it's gonna make it come right back right now now <laughs> of course it's somewhat in jest but it, it was very funny anyway <laughs> the, the starfish conversation was i mean i just like a, uh, another guy that i that i just met there actually who i might have on the show in the near future uh, his name was uh well anyway I, I don't need to reveal his name here but i was gonna you know we were talking about it and i said and it clicked and i said i know the answer starfish that's what we're gonna we, we just gotta figure out how to regenerate limbs and then you could use biometrics okay and then it's no that's not true there's other problems with biometrics i wrote in a question to try it because they didn't let people if they had let people stand up and go up to a microphone i would have been the first one like i would have muscled my way and i who can i baby <laughs> uh 20 inches right there anyway um, no uh, yeah i would have muscled my way up to the front to get my question in because I mean, we, we just, we, we have been debunking, deconstructing and just showing why biometrics will never work. They just can't, it can't, well, it'll never work for, for real security. Um, yeah, believe me, I would have done it, but you know, so anyway, the starfish thing was, was kind of funny. <laughs> so that would solve if you have to cut off an employee's limb, you know, to re to, to, to get a new password, uh, or, you know, new login credentials. But, um, now aside from that, boy, I've been, I've been teasing around this the whole time. Aside from that, the thing that blew my mind is Steve Gibson said right there, like they, they were talking about, you know, how do you secure your home networks? Like Leo was asking everybody and Steve said, because he doesn't travel much. And since he's been traveling recently, he says, no, when I travel, my computers aren't at home. Now he's not carrying them with him there. He put them somewhere and obviously he's not telling anybody, but he would, he was, I mean, he's that, and I use paranoid, not as a pejorative. I use it as a, a you know, as a positive uh, attribute. He's that paranoid that he won't even leave his computers at home. Uh, when he, when he's leaving the house for, you know, extended periods of time. 
take that for what you will from from literally in my opinion the best but in just about anybody's opinion one of the best okay in you know in the cybersecurity space so i thought that was that was very fascinating maybe the number one takeaway uh from that but it was a great event a great time uh, i hope that they do more um i think especially if you can get a lot of those old school guys coming together and you know talking about from the past to now you get such a unique perspective that you're just not going to find from whatever blogger in West Yahoo, I don't know, you know, that writes some horseshit on, well, <laughs> oddly enough, we're going to read from Business Insider, but that, you know, writes from, from Business Insider or, or some other outlet, you know, like these are guys who have been around, they know the score, and I think they have very unique insights to deliver. And that's what I felt like we got at the Unlocked event. So, it, I mean, it was funny. Like, it was just a very, very entertaining time. Um, I had a great time there. I really wish I could have, uh, uh, you know, got in a question or two or done an interview. Uh, that that wasn't really possible uh, there. But, uh, but a great time. Um, and maybe, you know, actually, I, I kind of got invited to some other events there. Um, and I, I might end up attending those. And then maybe I can do a little more with Sovereign Tech while I'm there. But for me, to be frank, I, it was just awesome to finally, you know, shake hands with, with Steve Gibson and to finally meet him. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I've chatted with him on DM on Twitter, uh, before, but it was just so, so great to finally meet him. What, what a great time. And it was a great, it was great to meet other Sovereign Tech listeners and to hang out with some old friends. I mean, that was, it was just tremendous. Uh, uh such, such a great time. Now, we're not going to open up this uh, this show exactly with the foreplay. We're going to get into a bunch of stories. But before I do, you know, something when I am away from home. Let me tell you, something that uh, that, that kind of... Uh, there's a reason I don't leave home often. <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I like to get my fuck on multiple times a day. You know, like, and I'm not... I'm, I am not kidding. If I, you know, if I have, and, and believe me, it happens. Okay. No, I'm getting personal with you, but we're here. You know, what we're going to talk about a little sovereign tech sponsor for you. Um, I mean, I like to get my fuck on four or five times a day and believe me, that does happen often enough. One of the ways that I'm able to make that happen and make it so goddamn enjoyable is with sovereign tech sponsor, blue chew, baby. If you want to get that thing good and hard and ready to go, you know what I'm talking about. You want to have a great time in the sack with your lady friend or help your guy friend, or your NB friend. I don't care. You want to use Blue Chew. It's blue, like the color blue, because it's the blue pill, and chew, because it's chewable. In fact, the first chewable of its kind has the same ingredients, active ingredients, as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's going to work for you. You know it's going to rock, get you rock hard. Blue Chew, B-L-U-E, Chew, C-H-E-W, dot com, bluechew.com. Now, here's the deal. If you want to get in on this action, I want you to use the code TECH, T-E-C-H, because if you use the code TECH, you're going to get your first order for free. You're only going to pay $5 shipping. Look, this is this is handled discreetly. There's no in-office doctor visits, nothing like that. All gets done through the website, bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use that code TECH. Get your first, first order free. You've got nothing to lose. You're going to pay for shipping? Come on. You have nothing to lose and everything whoo, to gain. And you know what I mean? So if you want to make it a great night or hell, go all day long, <laughs> like the golden stallion likes to go and, oh, hmm. <laughs> do I have a good time? You want to use blue chew, bluechew.com. Check it out and use that code tech. And we thank them for sponsoring sovereign tech. Remember T E C H use it. All right. So 
let's get into, uh, well, like I said, we don't really have, I don't, it's not really foreplay because all of this kind of blends into each other. So it's really one longer conversation, um, that we're going to have. And we have had through the month of September and going into October, we're not going to get into the Microsoft event in this episode, though there are things to say about that with windows 10 X, uh, and, and other things. Um, but we are going to talk about what Amazon had announced in the past couple weeks. In fact, one of these, I am of a mind to try. I am intrigued and we will talk about that. Okay. But then all of this, as I'm sure you expect on, on Sovereign Tech, which some people, you know, I remember a guy called this show. He said, it's the audio version of Black Mirror. Well, <laughs> there is going to be a dark twist. Uh, when we get to the, to the end of this and then, but don't worry, we're going to end the show with something very fun. So anyway, um, let's talk about this. There were a bunch of new Alexa devices announced or echo devices. It's their, it's their echo line, right? Um, you know, I think there might've been like a new echo show, which that'll actually have a, have purpose when we, uh, when we get into where the, the darker turn of all this, uh, along with some other things, but was, what was more interesting were the new form factors, for Alexa to reside within. And mainly those are now also, well, quick. All right. Those are the glasses, a ring. And I don't mean the ring doorbell, right? Or like the ring video doorbell, which Amazon owns now. And in fact, that plays into our dark turn as well. Cause ring also announced uh new, you know, uh, new product lines or talked about new technologies, but regardless um, you have the ring, the Alexa ring. Okay. Or the echo ring, you have the glasses, and then we have the Echo earbuds or the Echo Buds, uh, maybe they call them. So, or yeah, it's called the Echo Loop, not the ring. It's the Echo Loop, but that's the ring. And then there's Echo Frames, which are the glasses. And then you have, uh, then you have the earbuds, which we'll talk about those because Microsoft actually, this is where we will talk about the Microsoft event. They also announced something similar and we'll get into all of that, but we have a few different stories to read as far as all of these goes, because, because, but it all ends up becoming one really big topic. Okay. That we're going to get into here. So there's a lot to cover. Um, the first story here is from Forbes, and this is just from a day ago, October 4th, 2019. And here we go by, uh, by Ilker Coxell. Uh, Amazon introduces new invite only products, Alexa enabled rings and glasses. At their latest event, Amazon has announced that they are placing their experimental limited volume hardware on the market. Titled Day One Editions, the limited hardware is currently available on an invite-only basis. Uh, based on cu customers' feedback and reactions to the new technology, Amazon will decide whether or not their experimental products should become widely available. The two of the most attention-grabbing products are the Echo Loop and the Echo Frames. Now, before we get into all that, I do want to, at the very least... Okay. You know, fuck Amazon, fuck them all. The whole, the sinister stick, the sinister six, right. That we talk about all the time, you know, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, uh, Samsung, you know, go down the list. Fuck them. But I have to give them credit for taking some of their R and D. Okay. And actually creating and releasing a product, even if it's through an invite program, this is credit that I've gotten. I mean, I can't stand Samsung, but this is credit I've given them as well. At least they will release their wild prototypes, you know, and, and stuff that's happening in R and D they will put out there. It might not sell many, but they'll put them, they'll put it out there. And, and I have, I, I do have to give a company credit when they do that because like, 
me growing up, so I used to really be into cars. I mean, I still know a lot about cars, but I used to really, uh, now I can't stand them. I mean, I have one, obviously. <laughs> I need one, obviously. Uh, but I used to really be into them, you know, and, and, you know, read Motor Trend and a lot of this other stuff, okay? And the thing is, is that what really, one of the things, there's two things that disillusioned me from being into the automotive industry, Okay. One is, is the introduction of computers and a shit ton of bullshit technology. And frankly, as we've covered on the show over the years, the lack of cybersecurity uh, systems in place, okay, uh, with cars. In fact, there's barely even the conversation. Like there weren't even like jobs available for cybersecurity with the cars themselves, but they're slapping in these, you know, OTA uh, uh, capable you know, computers into, into these cars and they're just not giving a shit about security. So computers and cars, I, I, you know, or the fact that I can't even like work on a car and fix a car, fuck it. I, I can't stand that. Okay. But the, the other thing that really pissed me off was you would constantly see over the decades, you'd see these amazing, uh, concept cars, right. From all these companies and none of them would ever get released. They'd never release these fuckers. And I would just, you just get frustrated and, and, and basically cars all end up looking more or less the same. And it's like, man, where are those great concept cars? You know, like the, those crazy Lincolns and those crazy hell, even Dodge had some, or, or what was it? Was it the Dodge, was it the Banshee? I mean, like all these just awesome looking cars that you're never going to be able to really have unless you're, you know, in the, the upper, upper, upper echelons of making money in this world. And I mean, upper, 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 I mean, even beyond like what the rock does. So it's it just, yeah, the automotive industry is bullshit. I can't stand it. Hate it. Anyway. And so that's why I say for Amazon or for other companies to actually bring out experimental shit, granted, you know, these things, you know, like the, the echo loop, I think costs, which is the ring. It costs about like a hundred bucks. I don't know, something like that. Granted, it's not as much as say what a, uh, you know, what a Dodge Banshee or something like that would end up costing, but no, it was Pontiac Banshee. It wasn't a Dodge. They used the Dodge Stealth to make a Pontiac Banshee-esque car in a certain TV movie. That's another story for another time. But <laughs> so it wasn't a Dodge Banshee. Sorry, sorry, it was the Pontiac Banshee. Anyway, so I give credit when that kind of thing happens. And I don't mind this concept of, you know, well, you can get invite only. We'll see if you end up liking it, blah, 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 and you go on. So let's talk about these invite only devices. Um, and then we are going to get in, this is just the loop in the frames, but we are going to talk about the earbuds next. So here we go. Uh, the first products that Amazon is going to be testing, including, uh, going to be testing include digital rings and glasses. Even though Amazon is not the first one to play around with glasses and technology, think Google glass, they have offered a different perspective on this matter. Uh, unlike Google glass, Amazon's echo frames don't have a camera stallion breaking in. Well, that's an instant winner, right? Because that's the pro. In fact, I remember um, journalist Mike Elgin. I remember him saying often with Google Glass, and he was a fan of that. He said, if, you know, the only way that this is going to take off is if, or, you know, with, with everybody else, people can't stand the camera. Get rid of the camera, and people will do, you know, the wearable glasses. So 
Amazon obviously heard that. Anyway, reading on. These are simple glasses with a minimalist design that can be connected to Amazon's Alexa to listen and respond to the user. The $100 80 Echo or $180 Echo frames come without any prescription lenses, even though lenses can be added if necessary. The glasses feature a microphone and two speakers directed right at your ears, allowing you to play music, listen to podcasts, or hear Alexa's responses to your inquiry. These somewhat stylish glasses are not nearly as odd or surprising as the other product uh, Amazon had in store, the Echo Loop. Now, I'm going to stop for a second and just talk about these the glasses, okay, the Echo frames. First off, okay, you're, you're probably thinking like, wait a minute, they're not made for, or, you know, they don't initially come with like prescription lenses. What the fuck's the point? Well, I'll tell you this. Just on a very superficial level, if I didn't have to wear glasses, which I do, but if I didn't have to wear glasses, um, I think I look ugly as hell without glasses. <laughs> so <laughs> I already have a face for radio. So <laughs> I think I look like shit without glasses on. So I would wear these anyway. Now, having Alexa attached to them, eh, I don't know. But I mean, what's the real play here? Keep in mind you know, that, that the idea of getting everybody, even people that don't need to wear glasses to get them wearing glasses, this is all about AR. And is Amazon on board with AR? We're like, well, I don't know about Amazon releasing any kind of AR stuff. Oh, looks like a whole lot of people forgot about their entire AR VR platform that Amazon has been developing for the past three years. There's no mention of it in this story, by the way. Okay. But what is it? Is a Sumerian is the, is the name, which I thought was, I reviewed it when it came out and I thought that that was very, very weird that they would run with that name. But regardless, um, yeah, Amazon is poised and ready to get into AR or even VR and certainly getting everybody used to wearing something over their eyes. That's uh, that's something that am or, you know, that Amazon is, is testing here. Um, this is going to be, this is going to be a conversation when we get into the earbuds as well. Let's understand something here. You cannot go outside of your, or you cannot be away from your phone. Granted, who is, okay, unless you're me. And I've talked about that in a recent Q&A episode of what I'm doing to, like, I, there are plenty of times where I will leave the house without the phone. It doesn't mean I don't have some kind of uh, technology to listen to audiobooks and and do a bunch of other things or even have a GPS or whatever. But may, maybe, depending on what kind of time we have in this episode, maybe I'll talk more about that. But regardless, these glasses and the uh, loop, the ring that we're going to talk about here, they connect to your smartphone and they function via Bluetooth through your smartphone. These are not independent devices. For me, overall that makes them pointless. Like that, that makes, or not pointless, but it makes them very uninteresting. Okay. We'll talk more about that a little bit later, but just so you have that perspective. Now let's talk a little bit about the elect, the echo loop. Um, this Alexa enabled ring features two built-in microphones and a small speaker. The ring has the same purpose as the echo frames and its current retail price is $129. It allows users to communicate with Alexa more easily without having to take out their phone. Quote, paired with your phone, this ring lets you access information throughout the day, Amazon writes. It's super easy to connect with Alexa without breaking stride or digging out your phone. For those simple things like turning on the lights or calculating the, the tip on your lunch bill, simply press a button, talk softly to Alexa, and then the answer comes discreetly through a small speaker built into the ring. Um, 
And, well, here, I'll finish reading the, the little story here. Uh, whenever we think that we've hit the peak of the technological revolution, there's always that next big thing that tells us we have yet to... Or, that tells us we have yet to go a long way. Uh, Amazon has made that next step toward introducing new technology to the market, this time aiming to the ease uh, to ease the use of their already existing products. Both the Echo Frames and the Echo Loop aim to make Amazon's Alexa more accessible in everyday situations. Naturally, they aim to increase sales and interest by promoting a futuristic type of technology. While we might already be used to technology integrated in glasses, it could be strange to see someone talking into their ring and listening uh, listening what to what it has to say back boy the not the best writing here. Uh, anyway, besides the echo loop seems fairly larger than common rings, which might put some users off. However, we're not going to disregard these experimental products yet. After all, the Alexa enabled microwave seemed like a pretty odd choice, but it turned out to be a bestseller. Fuck that should terrify the hell out of all of us. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, the Alexa powered microwave. God damn it. Anyway. So the ring, the, the echo loop, this is one that I actually, I signed up for this. I did. I signed up. I, I mean, they haven't confirmed anyone as far as I know, but I signed up to the invite program saying, you know, and I mean, it's no guarantee that I'm going to get invited to use it, but I signed up for it. Um, and we'll see. Here's the thing is that while I think that like smart rings and a lot of this other stuff, and I've talked about them in the past, it's not an Amazon is not bringing a new idea to bear here. Okay. With the, I mean, with the glasses, that's not new. Google was already doing that. Uh, with the, with the loop, that's not, that's not new. There have been other companies that have tried, you know, they've, they've really tried to do the, the whole smart ring thing. Now having it again, if it was some kind of independent device where, you know, basically it had its own, I don't know, LTE or, well, I guess now that we're in the year 2019, almost 2020, if it had a 5g chip in it, woo, even though we don't want those to, to go wild, um, it might be more interesting. Now there's, a technology we're going to talk about in a minute here or in a few minutes that might point at how the echo loop could work without a smartphone. But you know, the fact that everything just like connects to your smartphone is kind of pointless or it makes it again, like I said earlier, it, it just doesn't, it's not as intriguing to me. I shouldn't say pointless. It's not as intriguing. Now, why did the loop catch my eye? Here's the thing is that now I've talked about this. Okay. I wear regularly, I wear a, uh, a Mi Band. You know, I had the Mi Band 3, and now I have the Mi Band 4. I did a review of it on a Zomia 1 Q&A episode. Um, and the only reason I wear these, because, look, I'm into fitness, okay, but none of these devices, other than maybe your heart rate, and even that's usually wildly off, the sleep trackers are are practically worthless, okay? The, the kind of working, I mean, I, I you know, I do bodybuilding. I do weightlifting, Okay. And there's nothing on here. And really there isn't, they can claim there is none of that is helpful to you. If that's the kind of fitness you do. And I'm not going to get into conversation around that, but regardless, the only reason I use these things. Okay. Or now the Mi Band 4 has like music controls on it. So I did, I do like that. The Mi Band 3 did not have that. All I wanted it for was as a very silent and simple notification system that did not, you know, that, that basically allowed me to not have to pull my phone out of my pocket or to look at my phone screen. Cause I don't want to, because my phone is receiving a billion fucking notifications, 99% of which I couldn't care less about. I just have no interest in, okay. Give me my, my signal, my telegram, you know, and, and maybe something from some other app and let me know what's going on. And that's, that's really all I want. 
All right, I'm, I'm not interested in anything else. So the echo loop is basically another iteration of that, okay? Where it is something that, because it can vibrate, Okay. Yeah. You can, you can, it has a little speaker on it, it has microphones. So you could talk to it and you could talk to it. You could say, you know, Hey Alexa, blah, blah, blah. And ask it some kind of question and have it perform a function. And then you could listen to what it says. Um, I think you can also use it to make calls. And it's interesting because I mean, it doesn't look that weird. The Forbes writer seemed to think that it was going to be this weird thing. It actually doesn't look that weird in function or, you know, when it's in action, because you're just holding your hand up to your ear. And I mean, it kind of makes you look like a secret service person, right? You know, with that little wire thing and, you know, yeah, okay, we're, we're covered. You know, it's something like that, but it works. Like it doesn't look ridiculous, uh, in my opinion, but just the simple, I mean, like really, I would, I would wear a device. Okay. That basically what, you know, would just like, like a, like an echo loop that would, you know, if I, if I got a, a message on telegram, it would vibrate twice. Um, if it was signal, it would vibrate three times, you know, or maybe it would do some kind of weird Morse code. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to any of this and you know, it would just do that or that could function even just as like an alarm. Okay. And just, you know, and, 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 and it wakes me up in the morning because that's another nice thing about the me band is it does work as a great uh, a really, really great alarm. As far as using Alexa with the echo loop though, I mean, asking Alexa, the weather, you know, I mean, I, I could see that being handy. I wish it wasn't Alexa understand. I mean, I, I could very easily see where, well, it depends on how Amazon decides to, to lock this down. But like with the Mi Band 4, you can use, in fact, there's even, even an F droid in the app repository F droid. Um, there are alternative apps to you know, to Xiaomi's, uh, their own Mi Band app. And so the data that you, you know, that the Mi Band potentially collects doesn't have to go to Xiaomi. Um, you know, you could just end up using it with, uh, you know, with, with a completely third party app, you know, that, that just takes advantage um, of, of the protocol. So, I mean, th those was a gadget bridge, I think is the one that's in Afteroid and it works great. I mean, it really, really does a solid job and it works with all kinds of wearables. Okay. You know, and it, smart devices. So there's ways around that. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off with the, with the echo, uh, with the echo loop, but that would also make it very interesting. So I don't think that that's as crazy an idea as something that works with your smartphone. Okay. And works as basically a discrete notification system and something that keeps you from looking at your phone. Not bad. Now, granted, Amazon obviously is going to collect all of the data and metadata that, that the, uh, and it's going to have to attach to the Alexa app. I'm sure, um, that the echo loop would provide. Okay. Let's, you know, not kid ourselves here. And the same goes true for the echo frames that that's how that's going to work. But suffice it to say, I mean, on a, from a privacy standpoint, all this data going to Amazon, horrible. Okay. But the concepts, the technology in the abstract itself, not the craziest idea. Okay. I mean, not really. I mean, there, there, I could really see where this could be useful to some people because I mean, look, I'm tired of looking at my phone. I don't want to look at my phone unless I have to, but so much of how, well, frankly, the economy how business is done today, how interconnected we are in all this. We get too used to just like constantly staring at these fucking things and yeah, fuck that. So anyway, now another way, way that this is going and 
this was to me outside of the, I mean, the frames, we know where that's going. That's going with AR. And actually we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on too, because I think Apple's making a position or making a play in that direction. Um, but the most interesting thing, and these were leaked the day before the Amazon event. Um, well, here's the story. It's from the Washington post, of course, owned by Amazon, <laughs> uh, which is interesting, but the, the headline of it is AirPod rivals, of course, AirPod being Apple's, uh, headphones, you know, that they hang in the ear AirPod rivals give consumers an earful as they try to catch up to Apple. Uh, and it says Apple is leading with AirPods that don't look like giant Mentos. So what the hell does that mean? Well, you'll, you'll find out, but basically it's referencing, uh, the surface earbuds from Microsoft, which does look like a giant Mentos in the ear. I mean, that's not too crazy because like, you know, I had no problem with what Uhura had in her, uh, or what Uhura had in her ears in the original series. And even in the movies, right. She had that thing dangling from her ear that could, you know, she could receive all kinds of stuff, but granted she wouldn't leave it in her ear. She'd take it out often enough. Um, but regardless, so this is, this story is also from October 4th, 2019. Let's read it here. Uh, some people would rather put a broken Q-tip in their ear while others would prefer a bulky earplug or a mint candy, the size of a coin. Um, and let's go. That's essentially the choice consumers have as tech companies, including Microsoft, Amazon, Amazon, and Samsung introduce a wave of new, often oddly shaped competitors to the AirPods, Apple's popular, uh, in-ear wireless headphones that start at $159. Silicon Valley has long been on the cutting edge of aesthetics with numerous game changing designs over the years, like the Apple products released under Steve Jobs tenure, as well as some memorable misses, Google Glass. While Apple has succeeded in turning its white dangling AirPods into a status symbol, wireless earbuds are gaining popularity despite not because of their design. Now, I want to stop there for a second. I mean, so status symbol, usually when you say status symbol, you're talking about it in a positive light. I still think when I see people wearing AirPods, it looks like it's come hanging from their ears. Like it really does. It looks, it's just like something out of uh, something about Mary, right? that movie where, where like the comes, <laughs> it looks just like that. It's so horrible. I, I get it. Okay. And, and I'm kind of leading ahead here with this, but I do want to read the rest of the story, you know, just to kind of introduce you to these products. But the reason I'm doing that is because this is one of the directions that I think Silicon Valley, the tech giants are going, and that is they are looking to get past the smartphone because now they're, they're all, I mean, it's funny and Google was ahead of the curve on this, even though they did it in a really piss poor way with Google glass. Remember when Sergey Brin said that smartphones were emasculating people, you know, and everybody flipped out that he, that he used that word. Um, I mean, Google wasn't, wasn't wrong. You know, I mean, I wouldn't use those terms, but the idea that it is hindering us and there, I mean, there's a huge conversation to have around that. I get it. And so now, you know, all of these different tech giants are selling these products, are offering them as, and, and, and you know, they're marketing them as a way to not have to get to, to touch your smartphone, which is very interesting. And I, I said this when the AirPods were first announced from Apple, eventually Apple doesn't want you to have a smartphone. They literally just want you wearing AirPods and you interact with, you know, you talk to Siri to interact and all this. And that that's also a part of the big push for 5G. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay. Basically. Well, okay. Let's just say it. 5G 
is like a giant mesh network. Okay. Which we're going to talk about that more with something that Amazon kind of slyly announced as well as something that Apple slyly announced that we didn't talk about when we talked about the iPhone 11 uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. But you know, you have this mesh network that would allow, I mean, right now for companies to have these alternative or I don't want to say extracurricular, but these accessories basically like AirPods and earbud, you know, various earbuds, uh, Google glass, even, I mean, Google glass even needed your smartphone. Right. Um, uh, but like echo frames, you know, echo loop and so on for these things, or even like my Mi band Four. for these things to work, you've got to have the smartphone, which is basically like that's smartphones are, are they're not a mesh network, but the, I mean, they could be, but they're not a mesh network, at least right now. And they, you know, they, but they are the mesh network for all of these accessories. Right. So there's a point where all of these devices that we're talking about, and we're going to get into this in our next story, all of these devices that we're talking about could work without a smartphone because there is basically this huge 5G or whatever spectrum anybody wants to use. There is this huge network out there that all these devices could just instantly connect to. There's a problem with that, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. But let's keep talking about the earbuds here. Um, to the credit of those companies, product design experts say it's difficult to create a pair of wireless Bluetooth-enabled devices that sit comfortably but unobtrusively in the ear, provide high-quality sound, and still capture the user's voice. For one thing, the human body interferes with Bluetooth signals, so transmitting information to both earbuds in a synchronized fashion is complicated. Stallion breaking in? Well, gee whiz, maybe we shouldn't fucking do it, <laughs> because our bodies just aren't designed for this horseshit. Did anybody think about that one? No? Okay. Crickets. All right. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> the newest device to enter the fray are Microsoft's Surface earbuds, which the company unveiled this week at an event. The earbuds have touch and voice controls and retail for $249. The most visible part of each bud is a flat white disc that measures slightly less than an inch in diameter, about the size of a quarter. Now, Microsoft, was it last year? or the year before, they also released, if you remember, the Surface headphones that were huge over-the-year headphones that had <laughs> uh, Cortana built into them. <laughs> <Woo. laughs> How's Cortana doing today, folks? Oh, fucking A. Um, anyway, so, you know, they, they originally had that, um, and I imagine they used the data from that to maybe figure... I mean, this this is, you know, again... In one sense, I give these companies credit for coming out with what are basically prototypes and R&D devices. On the other hand, they're also making you pay for the privilege. Like, they're doing R&D on you. Like, they, you are the field test when you buy this horseshit, and they collect all this metadata, and, and that's how they end up. And you could say that that's a good thing. Uh, it'd be a good thing if they, you know, like, maybe if they gave it to me for free, because then I would understand that there was there's a trade-off here. So, because now I have to pay $250 plus all of my data, which the value of that is through the roof. So how about instead I just give you the data about me and you give me the fucking headphones, you know, and let's make it even. I mean, the, again, the data they collect about you is worth way more than the price tag of, of these things. So whatever. Um, <laughs> Anyway, let, let's read on. Uh, last week, Amazon announced its $130 Echo Buds, 
which are black, resemble round earplugs, and are also about the size of a quarter. Visually, they are similar to Samsung's equally priced Galaxy Buds, which are available in black, white, and yellow, and debuted in February. Uh, again, Samsung, like I said, I mean, credit to them. They, they are really, I don't want to say that they're innovating or ahead of the curve, but they will put, you know, R&D prototype-esque products, uh, you know, out and, and, you know, for the world to, to, to take or leave. And I know Samsung has like a diehard fan base, so I imagine they do some money on this. But anyway, that's not the point. Let, let's just keep going. None of the devices has escaped the wrath of social media. When they were introduced, AirPods were the butt of many a Twitter joke, and the devices have since been compared to Q-tips, corn cob holders, and, quote, an angry praying mantis, end quote. Only after competitors were introduced did they seem streamlined in comparison. The Surface earbuds were variously described on the web this week as refrigerator magnets, the mint candy Mentos, ear gauges, and chunky boys, a, a term used to describe pudgy pets. Uh, so, quote, so Apple earbuds look like cigarettes hanging out of your ears, <laughs> while Surface earbuds look like you've been tagged as part of an animal migration experiment, end quote. Oh, oh, too close. Ooh. <laughs> Remember, I was just saying to you that that basically you are the field experiment. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it does. It does. In fact, right here, uh, the, the guy who tweeted that, uh, Kevin uh, Gazuski, uh, software engineer, he he actually shared a picture on Twitter of a cow, and you see the tag hanging out of the out of the cow's uh, you know cow's ear, and it looks like the fucking earbuds. Spot on. How you doing there, cattle? <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, you know, eh, I wanted to say it, you know, at that unlocked event, I wanted to get up on that stage and just say, you know, identity is for cattle. Thank you. <laughs> I bet I didn't get the chance right on the money though, man. Good, good job, Kevin. Uh, anyway, reading on Apple, uh, Apple, Samsung, and Microsoft didn't respond to requests for comment. Amazon declined to comment. Um, and which is ironic considering that he owns the Washington or that Jeff Bezos owns the post, but uh, other tech companies have a lot have followed Apple's lead in part because earbuds have become big business for the company. Though Apple doesn't disclose AirPod sales, Wedbush securities analyst, Dan Ives estimates that the company will sell between 55 million and 60 million AirPods this year, the equivalent of roughly $9 billion in revenue. That's an important source of income as consumer interest in the iPhone wanes and the global smartphone market begins to slow. Uh, anyway, it, it keeps going on. And, and it talks about some other companies that are coming out with this thing. Again, I think ultimately, we don't need to read the rest of this story. We do have another story we're going to get into. I think ultimately, like I said, and I think other companies know this, this is, for a little while, it seemed like people were going to go, like, or that Silicon Valley, the tech giants were looking at smartwatches as the way to, you know, the next boon besides the smartphone. Um. I think it's pretty clear, and I've been saying this actually for, you know, ever since the AirPods came out, this is really, you know, earbuds is the direction that Silicon Valley wants to go. And this is a big part of why you're constantly getting the thinner and lighter phones that effectively, or in, I mean, this, this part's just a theory on my part that it's to get you used to like not holding the phone. Like you don't even feel the phone. It's to make the phone effectively disappear sooner or later. And so for everything to switch over to earbuds and maybe glasses for some AR overlay. Um, yeah, I think that's the direction that they're very, very much looking at. Um, and that's why even when Cortana fails, 
Siri is clear is clearly shit compared to Google Assistant or Alexa. These tech giants, these companies, they can't or you know, or what the fuck is even Bixby, right? From Samsung, they can't quit. They they can't give up on this because they know that somebody in that space, they're either either if they're gonna stay competitive, they have to be in the voice assistant space, which ultimately leads to you interacting with all of their services and technology, which you will pay a subscription fee for. Woo! Is going to be in your ears. It's going to be in earbuds. Okay. And they have to be there. They don't have a choice. They've got to be there. Okay. And it's also telling. Now, in, in upcoming episodes, we'll talk about the Microsoft event. Okay. But it's also telling that Microsoft has very clearly been downplaying. Okay. The, you know, they, they've been downplaying the, the operating system. They don't care about Windows anymore because they know the future, there isn't even going to be a screen in front of you. It's all going to be about services and just getting you to pay that subscription fee. If there's going to be a screen in front of you, that screen is going to be connecting to some cloud service. And well, there's problems with that, but you get my point that that's, that's the direction that they're really going to go. Now, again, if I had mentioned that the earbuds or the echo buds from Amazon, that they were leaked ahead of time. Now, when I saw the leak, I was like, you know, I was thinking, Wow, uh, you know, Amazon is uh, clearly with the the initial Amazon Echo, they are fine with completely leapfrogging, uh, you know, entire, uh, well, entire markets, right? I mean, they have no problem with leapfrogging the smartphone, okay? Like the Fire Phone fails, fine, we'll do the next thing. And they did. I was half expecting that, and that's kind of what the leak was talking about, that, you know, they'd be Alexa powered and that somehow these earbuds would work without like a smartphone and that they would, you know, you just have Alexa in your ear and you'd interact with it. And I'd be like, well, there it is. They just beat Apple to the punch of where eventually Apple wants to go. Okay. And that would have been very interesting, but not now it's just pointless, right? Like I don't see the real advantage. I mean, especially since these are things that are suction cupping in, you know, into your fucking ear, Um, I don't see the advantage to looking ridiculous, which you clearly do with any of these devices in your ear, even Apple's AirPods. And it's out. This is a whole other conversation and one that we've kind of had in the past. It is outrageous that having an Apple device, AirPods, iPhone, whatever, is some kind of symbol of status. Boy, that that makes us that makes humanity sounds so fucking pathetic that, oh, they are wearing AirPods. Oh, he's something special. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it's right there in the story. That's how they wrote about it. Outrageous. Anyway, the fact that these things don't work independently, I mean, mean, you know, Alexa, you could just have the Alexa app operate in the same way that these earbuds do right? Or whatever, you know, voice assistant you want to rock with right through your smartphone. Cause it has to connect to your smartphone anyway. So it's it, it, like, what's the big deal? I, I just, I don't get the big deal with these things other than it is just to start prepping you and to fund, uh, you know, through you buying these things, it's to prep you and fund future development to where they get post smartphone and you're just putting earbuds in your ears. And again, maybe you'll put on glasses for AR. Okay, now, how can this happen? Well, 
this is why everybody I think is really excited about the potential of 5G. Again, we did a review. We talked about 5G when it seemed to finally be codified and, you know, where we actually had, um, you know, a full on protocol and everything. And we talked about it and what it's meant to do. Okay. Because what it's really about is multi-device communication. It's not, it's even though they're selling it to you as, Oh, you're, you know, it's faster. It's this, there's great speed improvements. There's very little difference in website load times in reality on a 5G device as compared to a 4G LTE device. This is about something much, much bigger, okay? Now, 5G is just one way that you could have basically a million fucking devices like connected inside of Walmart or whatever, and everybody's connected. And yes, you're gonna have more reliable signal, say with your smartphone, if it has 5G, because 5G is just like bouncing off of everywhere off of a million different, uh, you know, different devices. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to actually be like a faster, uh, you know, faster transmission of, uh, as compared to 4G. Okay. So anyway, but that's just one idea. Here's another idea. And this was very quietly discussed by Amazon, very quietly brought up. And also this is going to play into something from Apple as well. And this is... This is where that dark turn comes in, okay? Because you're just thinking like, oh, well, these are interesting consumer products and maybe some people with a lot of disposable income would somehow be interested in these sorts of things and they'd want to try them out. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd love to have a conversation because I heard this at the Unlocked event as well where like, okay, why do you use an Alexa? And the, and the person actually, or actually was Bill Cheswick. He said, because I'm an early adopter. I don't... I, I, and, and I've heard this from uh, like libertarian and ANCAP speakers and other people. They're like, oh yeah, we're early adopters for this. In what world is that some kind of virtue? Okay, it's what you are, but I don't see that as like, ah, this is, you know, like some kind of flag you're going to carry up a hill. That's so weird, but that's another conversation for another time. But here's the story. Let me, let, let's read this. This is from uh, September 29th, 2019. From Business Insider, Amazon may soon be able to track your phone's location even if you don't use any of its products or services. And this comes from a great Sovereign Tech listener. Uh, though I did have this, and I put both links in the show notes, I have a story from Wired UK, which actually talks about this as well as something that Apple announced that I think went over a lot of people's heads. Uh, but anyway, let, let's let's talk about this one. And So, well, okay, here's the quick breakdown. Uh, Amazon's new mesh network so they have a mesh network, could enable the company to track your phone's location even if you don't use its Wi-Fi or products. So that's kind of the big deal. There's other quick notes here, but let's let's read part of the story. Among the avalanche of products detailed at Amazon's hardware event on Wednesday were two features that are a bit less tangible. Sidewalk, a new wireless protocol that links smart objects, and Eero, a pre-existing brand of Wi-Fi router the company acquired and is selling for people to use in their homes. With the new offerings, the number of Amazon-made routers and devices in homes and stores is set to increase nationwide. Sidewalk will use this proliferation of devices to build a mesh... Sidewalk's the protocol, okay? Eero is the company that makes Wi-Fi routers and all that. Um, yeah, you should be terrified that, that any of these... I mean, it's funny, like, a lot of people thought that, you know, when Apple were making... What was that? Was it Time Capsule? Shit. Anyway, Apple has made their own routers for a while, right? You know, and you know what that's about. <laughs> like, 
anytime these companies were like even Google was doing it, it is all about that data collection going right to that company, whether the ISP wants to hand it over or not to whoever. But anyway, let's keep going. With the new offerings, uh, the number of Amazon made routers uh, and devices in homes and stores is set to increase nationwide. Sidewalk will use this proliferation of devices to build a mesh network, a wireless network where each device communicates with one another, working together to transmit data across the network. That spans broad geographical areas. According to Amazon's announcement, the company found that placing 700 devices across Los Angeles was enough to cover the entire metropolitan area of the city. Now, privacy watchdogs are sounding alarm bells uh, about what that means for the company's ability to surveil individuals. Tech activist Liz O'Sullivan flagged the mesh network's potential for surveillance during the Amazon hardware event and tweeted about it Thursday. Um, and here's her tweet from Liz O'Sullivan. Uh, I'm freaking out about this Amazon sidewalk mesh network stuff. Here's why. One, Amazon is pushing Wi-Fi, so you have to send all your traffic through their access points. Uh, no surprises there. But did you know they can track you? They can track you even if you're not logged onto their network. Um, and she goes on and on. But this has to do with the sidewalk protocol, which we're going to read more about. Um, here's what you need to know about the new Amazon update and what it can mean for your privacy. Uh, Amazon's mesh network could help the tech giant monitor your phone's location. Even if you don't use Amazon's wireless networks in your own home or join its Wi-Fi networks when you go out, the mesh network could enable Amazon to get data about the location of your devices. Owners of Wi-Fi networks can track what devices are nearby even if those devices don't sign on to the network, just like a smartphone can detect nearby networks without signing on. So stallion breaking in, I don't have to explain that any further. You already know what I'm talking about. I mean, say like you go to the gym, you know, you go to Planet Fitness or something, instantly your smartphone comes up, do you want to log into Planet Fitness, right? So I mean, that's your smartphone and a router pinging each other, okay? And your smartphone is sending a ton of identifying information, just like that router is, frankly. But anyway... If you're in range, reading on, if you're in range of a wireless network owned by Amazon, the company could receive information like your device's MAC address, a unique identifier assigned to each device. If you've used that device to download an Amazon app or log into your Amazon account, the company could pair that MAC address with your user profile. How many of you have an Amazon app on your smartphone? I do. Go ahead. You can admit it. Raise your hand. I know you're listening to a podcast. Raise your hand. You can admit it. I have, I have the Audible app. Okay, I mean, I have tons of books on Audible. I listen to Audible all the time. I, I mean, I wish it wasn't owned by Amazon, but turns out that it is. And that, But that's enough for Amazon to be able to tag you based upon the Mac ID that you've, you know, of your device, which is very difficult to change these days. I remember, you know, even just 10, 10 12 years ago, you could, at a tech company I was working with, we basically, we had a, a literal floppy, 3.5 inch floppy disk that we could just pop in and we could rewrite the Mac ID on a device. It was so cool. In fact, the, the, the or not a device, but a computer. I mean, it was a point of sale, but it was a computer. It had a Pentium 4 in it, the whole thing. Um, I kept my board of that for a very long time just because I loved the fact that I could instantly write the Mac ID on that thing. And, and what a great, great computer to fucking have. Okay, so that's a that's a pain in the ass. Now, when I say Mac, again, we're talking about MAC address, okay? Not, some people get confused when you say MAC ID. It's the same thing, but some people think their MAC ID is their Apple ID. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about the MAC address. Um, so Amazon could know exactly that it's you, absolutely, because you're signing in with, or because, you know, they're, they're, they're pinging the same device. Okay, now, the art, this article doesn't talk about it, um, but basically Sidewalk is, so you have... 
that's used for like radios, you know, like CB, you know, all, all these, yeah, radios and some, some other, uh, 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 communication devices, you have the 900 megahertz range. Okay. And that frequency isn't regulated. It's just there and it's wide open. And basically some guys at ring, okay. The company, you know, ring video doorbell, right. Of course owned by Amazon. They found out, well, shit, we have this 900 megahertz range where we can do whatever the fuck we want. Now I'm not arguing for regulation here. I'm not thinking that the, I'm not saying that the 900 megahertz frequency should be regulated, but I'm saying that, you know, I mean, it's walkie talkies use it anyway. It's, it's unregulated for a reason, but they're like, well, we can use this. And this is basically what sidewalk is, is that now the 900 megahertz, I mean, that frequency is fairly, it's intermediate power. It's not like low, but it's also, it's not like a Wi-Fi, you know, it's not like a Wi-Fi router. It's not 2.4 gigahertz or five gigahertz or anything like that. So it doesn't have a great range, but that's the rub. It doesn't need to have great range to become a mesh network and to work because Amazon's products are fucking everywhere. And so it creates its own little, in a very real way, I mean, that's what a mesh network is, an alternative infrastructure of the internet, an alternative internet. Now, in the abstract, is there anything wrong with that? Not exactly, but there is a problem with it when there's one company that's collecting all the data that this little mesh network does, and when you only need 700 devices to cover the entirety of LA? Woo! Why does this matter? This is where the story goes on. The technology that allows owners of Wi-Fi routers to track nearby devices is nothing new, but it's unusual for companies to build such sprawling mesh networks using devices that users set up in their own homes. On top of that, Amazon is a company with a uh, demonstrated interest in tracking users' data and location. Geographic data is an important tool for building user profiles and targeting advertisements accordingly, a growing business for almost all big tech companies. Additionally, Amazon has multiple contracts with police turning over insights from its network of ring cameras to as many as 200 police departments nationwide, according to a motherboard report. Oh, but I need to see who's outside my door. Please hand that information over to the police. Crazy. You're paying for that privilege. Police departments that are part of the Ring network can view publicly posted video footage from Ring cameras and request other footage, which users can choose whether or not to approve. For the time being, many of the details surrounding how Sidewalk and Eero networks will work remains unclear. I gave you some of it. This article doesn't get into it, but anyway, I looked into it more and yeah, I mean, it's, it's the real deal. Uh, Amazon is not specified whether data, data gathered through its Wi-Fi networks will be potentially up for grabs by the law enforcement agencies of partner, it partners with. Uh, Stanley breaking in. Of course it is. Of course it is. By law, it has to be available to them. We know this. We've known this for a long time. If you have servers in the United States, by law, you have to hand over anything that is on those servers to the government when they ask for it. There, it's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it, you just have to. That's the fucking law, and it's been the law since the 90s. For the time being, many of the details surrounding how Sidewalk and Eero networks will work, or I already read that part. Anyway, uh, an Amazon spokesperson did not respond to Business Insider's questions regarding how it will use geolocation data gleaned from its mesh network. Now, Amazon's being really low-key about this. They announced it, they talked about it, and basically, I think they're just waiting. You know, before they, they, they talk about the Sidewalk protocol on a larger scale, 
like right now they're trying to attract developers and startups and companies who want to take advantage of what sidewalk can do and maybe come up with basically skills, right? Like Alexa, Alexa skills. They want somebody to come up with skills so that when they do a big announcement about this mesh network, there is a scene consumer usage and advantage. Okay. Some shiny device. Maybe it's the very things. And this is like I said, where this leads into this, we're going to talk about Apple in one second. Maybe, okay, it's the earbuds, the loop, the glasses, the whatever fucking device that we're talking about. Because if you have sidewalk, if you have that frequency, that radio frequency going out everywhere, you don't need Verizon's 5G. You don't even need the 5G network. You don't need any. Amazon does not have to invest in 5G. Amazon does not have to invest in phones. They don't have to invest in a phone company. If they have their routers, okay, and if they have their devices that are transmitting the sidewalk frequency everywhere, covering an entire city with only 700 devices, that ain't hard. Then all of their, you know, all of their Echo products, the loop, uh, the glasses, the earbuds, all that could connect to that network and thus connect to Amazon and thus connect to Alexa, which Alexa is basically Amazon's servers with, you know, with a voice and that, and they'll just work and they'll just work anywhere. Yeah. It should, it should scare the fuck out of you, you know, because who's collecting all of that data. You could say, well, doesn't that make things so easy? Really what the, the sad part is, it does make things so easy, but again, who's getting all this data about you and who's tracking you wherever you go? They don't need, you don't even need to have a smartphone, right? You know, or it could, it can track your smartphone if it wants to, because if you have Amazon's apps on your phone, you're fucked. Okay. You know, so, so that's a problem because they're going to get all this data. They already work with law enforcement and they're going to hand that data right over to the government. And again, they have to, that's always the problem with this shit. But outside of that, What's really sad about this is that this only proves, and if Sidewalk finally really goes public and really gets some kind of consumer usage, it proves that mesh networks, I mean, we already know mesh networks work, but it proves that we really could, as we've talked about in previous episodes, we could create independent, okay, independent internets independent alternative infrastructures that activists and other people could take advantage of with very few devices, with very little overhead that we could use instead of having to use the big, bad internet. The sad part is, is just wait and see someone's either that 900 megahertz range is somehow going to get, uh, you know, in some way is going to actually get regulated and controlled. Um, you know, somehow this is going to end up getting taken over, but that's the sad part is that it just proves that we really could have these very free networks and we could have this data accessible just about everywhere and, or, you know, data, data connection we could have available anywhere. There's no need to have to pay for, uh, the stupid phone bills that we pay to Verizon or Google or, uh, you know, Sprint or T-Mobile or whoever, when all of this could just be done with mesh networking and devices just being powered on is enough for them to interconnect with each other. But is, are things going to go that way? No, because somebody has got to make a fucking buck. So yeah, all these little devices, I mean, could, could kind of work everywhere. Now, where does, where does Apple fit into this? Well, let's talk about it because they announced something 
not exactly the same, but here's the rub. Is that Apple, and I talked about this, was it the was it the iPhone 5? So go back that many years on Sovereign Tech. And I've brought this up many times. I bring it up whenever this kind of this conversation around alternative internets or mesh networking comes up. All iPhones, since I think the five, maybe it was even the four, have what's called the multi-peer connectivity framework. Okay. And what this is, is basically a mesh network where iPhones can all talk to each other. Okay. Like, like, I mean, they can just instantly, it's like Wi-Fi direct. Okay. But it's Apple's little own special sauce that they call the multi-peer connectivity framework. And I had postulated years ago that Apple will basically create, they could create their own internet, just like what Amazon's really doing here with sidewalk. Same thing, same idea. Okay, Apple already has that in place. Now, here's where things get interesting, because while granted, they could effectively track wherever your, uh, you know, your smartphone is. Apple has come up with a, it's what they call the U1 chip that they've put in the iPhone 11. And the very purpose of the U1 chip is to be a, now, GPS uh, you know, GPS devices, okay, and GPS chips, I mean, they have been so improved, I forget, it's something to where now that they, they can get you within like three meters. I mean, it's a very, very precision uh, uh, geolocation uh, ability that, you know, that newer GPS chips have. The, U, the U1 is that on steroids, where they can really track you right into your house, okay, with the U1, they can follow you with GPS. Now, that data is incredibly important to Apple for quite a few reasons, okay? It's funny because Amazon is basically figuring out how to track you outside of the house when you're not near maybe your Echo, okay? But then Apple is now tracking you into your house and what you're doing in your house. Now, what is, like, say, what is the purpose around that? Well, here's here's the deal. Sooner or later, I mean, Amazon kind of beat Apple to the punch with the glasses, right? Sooner or later, I mean, Apple's already working on augmented reality, working on AR. I think the U1 chip is basically there to make a greater, uh, make a greater AR experience. But then also, I think it's eventually to take advantage of this multi-peer connectivity framework. But at the end of the day, I mean, from a privacy standpoint, it is just a chip that is way better than just about any other one out there at tracking exactly where you are, right in your house. Are they on the couch? Are they here? Are they there? I mean, and, and Apple's tried this before, right? They, they had their little NFC tags that, that stores could put at the storefront and it would interact with the iPhone and everything. I mean, it's not necessarily something new for Apple for them to try and get inside the walls and put things together. But I think it's part of a bigger plan. And, you know, that U1 chip is really, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's scary too. You're just being tracked all the better. The iPhone right now is the best tracker in the world. And you, as we've been saying this whole episode, you are paying for that fucking privilege. Good on you. I hope you enjoy that device. I don't know how the U1 chip is going to possibly make Spotify work better for you, but I'm sure everyone will convince themselves somehow that it does. But the reality is, like I said, I think that that's looking at AR. I mean, this is it, folks. They want to... They... <laughs> I have been saying, I call it hooey, hands-free UI, okay, because I think it's a bunch of hooey. 
the in Silicon Valley, they call it zero UI because it doesn't sound as insulting. These companies, eventually, where this is leading, okay, I have complained for years, I hate the fact that I don't have hard switches. I don't have physical switches. I mean, physical switches are even one thing. Oftentimes, a physical switch is just activating something in the software. I want hard switches that could, like, say, literally cut off the wire for the Wi-Fi. I don't even get those. Okay, it's bad enough that we can barely get you know, smartphones, which everybody keeps saying, oh, it's this amazing computer, blah, blah, blah. It's a supercomputer in your pocket. Horseshit. A supercomputer gives me a goddamn keyboard that I can click on, that I can type on, and that's convenient and easy to use. The UI, your ability to interact with the screen in front of you. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to deal with touchscreens. That's bad enough. And because ultimately you don't really have control over that touchscreen, do you? You know, a keyboard, A, I, I hate to say this, but A is A. All right, unless somebody remaps it on you and sets it to Colmac or something, I guess. But otherwise, A is A. When you type that in, an A shows up on the fucking screen, as it should. Okay, with the touchscreen, or I mean, you know, with the touch keyboard, I mean, there's a billion problems with this. First off, I mean, they're all, every touch keyboard is basically a keylogger right? Sending that data to whoever you happen to install the, the, the keyboard from. So you run into that issue, but it's, you know, these companies want to control you so fucking hard and so badly that they are going to completely get rid of any kind of real UI, anything that should even be called UI, zero UI or hands-free UI isn't really a UI at all. It's not really user interface. Okay. But they want to get rid of that. They want absolute control. Not even of, I mean, they want to control exactly what appears on your screen. And that screen is going to be basically AR right in front of your eyes. You know, augmented reality. That's how much control these fuckers want. They don't want you to even have really control of, like, I mean, they don't even want you to have a screen that shows what you want, what basically what you want. I mean, it, it's, it's, this is leading in such a horrifying direction and such a lack of control for the user. Who was, was, was it Philip was a Phil or no, maybe, maybe it was Asimov where he says, I'm not, I'm not afraid of a world with computers. I'm afraid. He said this back in the seventies, you know, when everybody was afraid, Oh shit, the computers are taking over. I remember Asimov said something to the effect of, I'm not afraid of a world with computers. I'm afraid of a world without computers. Well, I think if Asimov were alive right now, he would feel a little bit differently because his concept of the computer is that a human would have something in front of him that he could interact with and control. What Silicon Valley is doing, oh, we're still going to have a world with computers, but they're not computers that you have any real control over. And that's a problem. And that's where all of this is really leading. It's tracking you. It is removing your ability to control it. This is not the future we wanted. This is not the direction things should go. This is not the Star Trek future. This is not any of that. This is not anything that science fiction has ever sold you. Because I don't think that any science fiction author uh, in the past, okay, maybe in the past 10 years they've been able to do this, but in the past was able to predict that we would invent and come up with a world so fucking stupid. And that's the reality. We'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Uh, we're not really going to lighten things up, but we've got stuff to talk about. I'll be right back with more. Woo!
In 2014, he ran from Miami to San Francisco, raising awareness for Bitcoin and the homeless epidemic in America. And now he's doing it again. Blockchain evangelist and advocate for homeless rights, Jason King, is running across North America right now, from Miami to Santa Monica, right now. Five years later, his commitment to promoting blockchain technology and fighting the homeless epidemic in America is stronger than ever. And you can help Jason now by going to blockchainacrossamerica.com. While you're there, donate to Satoshi Forest Sanctuary Incorporated to help the homeless, along with all kinds of other ways you can help. Get involved today. BlockchainAcrossAmerica.com. That's BlockchainAcrossAmerica.com. Hey, if you have a project that needs reliable cryptocurrency data, check out BlockTap.io. BlockTap.io is a universal cryptocurrency API. You can get historical prices for Bitcoin and other digital assets that you can use to build charts and do market analysis. Blockchain data is also indexed, so you can get transaction statistics, address balances, and more for Bitcoin and other networks. BlockTap.io is free for personal use, and you don't even need to create an account to access the API. To get started, try some of the example queries on the homepage at BlockTap.io. Again, that's B-L-O-C-K-T-A-P.io, BlockTap.io, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show. Hacksec. It is time for Hacksec, where we talk issues of hacking and security. And boy, you know, but if you wanted to talk about what we were just talking about, this, you know, very, this long game being played by a lot of the tech giants. You know a great place to do that? Sovereign Tech sponsor, Free Talk Live. You're going to go to freetalklive.com and you are going to find more content there then I don't know how long it would take to listen to all that because there are over 10 years of episodes, but we're not talking about like weekly, like Sovereign Tech, right? We're talking about daily, 365 days a year, three hours a night. Even if you set it to 2X, you are in for a haul if you want to listen to it all. But here's the beauty of it. You don't just have to listen to it. You can get interactive with the show because an open fo- it's an open phones call-in show. You can call in. It is the number 27 talk show in the United States. Your voice is going to get heard. So give it a listen. Freetalklive.com. Again, seven nights a week. And call in and talk about it. If you want to talk about this stuff and let other people hear about it, not a bad idea. So freetalklive.com. And I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Now, We have a couple stories, and they're actually both coming from the same source, even though one of this first one, I'm just going to be quick on it, because there's not not exactly a whole ton to say about it, um, other than I think it could lead to, because we're already running pretty long in this episode, um, it's a conversation that could lead into something that I I brought up in a recent Wednesday Q&A on Zomi1. Um, Again, go to Zomi1.com if you want to sign up for that to get access. But... Well, the problems, I mean, we, we bring this up all the time and certainly it plays into much of what we were just talking about. The problems of the smartphone, okay, the lack of control that you have around the smartphone, and that comes from a lack of those hardware switches, kind of what we were talking about. Um, like what would solve this, what I'm about to mention, would be if there was a hardware switch that literally cut off the microphone on your phone. Because 
how often do you actually need the microphone on your phone? You really only need, unless you're one of those people that for some reason uses these voice assistants, you really only need it when you make a phone call. And how many of us, even on our smartphones, make a goddamn phone call? Very rarely. So it'd be awesome if we had a switch on the back and don't tell me about fucking, what's that asshat's name? Uh, come on, slap nuts. John McAfee, that's it. Don't tell me about his phone, because that's bullshit, Okay. But you should have, on a smartphone, you should have hardware switches that can cut off the Bluetooth and that physically cut off the Bluetooth, not a soft switch that, okay, yeah, it's, it's a plastic switch on the back and, you know, but it doesn't really cut off, you know, the Bluetooth, right? It just kind of tells the software to do that. It tells the OS to do that. No, it needs to be something that physically cuts shit off. We should have that. We don't have that. That would solve this problem that I'm about to describe. And basically this is with course you know what i consider to be uh the top as far as like best encryption uh the top messaging service out there that being signal messenger um and anyway here's the headline it's from october 4th 2019 signal messenger bug lets callers auto connect calls without receivers interaction now if you are updated to version 4.47.7 on android and this is only on android uh, Signal, or the company, you know, the Signal Foundation, they, because I don't think they're open whisper systems anymore, the Signal Foundation solved this within a few hours, and you probably got an update a couple days ago um, that to, to Signal, and that this is exactly what it was fixing, is there was a bug that would allow for a payload that would allow for, if you got a call, here's the rub, you had to get a call on Signal first, and you had to not answer it. And if you didn't answer it, if you missed the call, then the next time, you know, once they made that first call, the next time they could send a call and they could turn on, you know, somebody could turn on your microphone through the Signal app and obviously listen to whatever the fuck's going on. This would be a very big problem if, uh, you know, like if you're an activist or something, this would be a very real concern. So again, the ways to mitigate this, A, of course, immediately update your you know, your signal app. Um, you know, I know that, that, and we talk about this a lot, that updates can be targeted and that's why you don't want to really do auto updates, but look on your smartphones, it's already the smartphone in many ways is already a lost cause as far as encryption goes, uh, especially end to end encryption as far as security goes. I mean, there's, there's things you can do, but if you're a target, you're a target. Anyway, keep the shit updated. Okay. Keep, keep your apps updated all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'll admit, like I'm really bad about at least a couple times a day checking for updates. And I even have auto updates on with the Google play store. And I'm just like ready, you know, I'm updating all the time to make sure because of this kind of shit. Okay. Now, if, like we said, if you, um, if you had a physical cutoff switch that would make this moot, right there, but there's a reason that these companies don't offer you a great, uh, feature like that because well, probably the U S government is telling them not to, or they themselves happen to like, like maybe Facebook, which, you know, messenger basically takes complete control of your phone. Uh, you know, I'm sure they like to turn on the microphones when it, uh, when it's helpful or, you know, to, to allow Alexa or these other voice assistants to work better. The great dangers of these voice assistants. Uh, but regardless, yeah, make sure this is updated right away. Um, I mean, the other things that you could potentially do to, you know, to, to resolve this, Wait, wait, what's that, Ellen? You could be a turtle. You could be a turtle? Yeah, that would solve it. That, yeah. All right, well, if you're a turtle, Ellen's got something there. If you're a turtle, that would solve this problem. 
because then I, I suppose the data wouldn't wouldn't mean much, you know. <laughs> like, what is that turtle saying? You know. <laughs> you could just hide in your shell. You could hide in your shell. I love the turtle. You know, the turtle. I've I've said this. The the symbol for 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 personal freedom and for liberty really should be the turtle. Fuck this uh, other symbols. Anyway, th- thank you, Ellen. That was uh, that was very insightful. That was, that was you, you could be a turtle. That that, that that's that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> it's, I love it uh, you're the best <laughs> so, uh, or I mean you, you could follow Ellen's advice and become a turtle somehow um, or uh, what you could do is is well this is a, a case where because like I said if you didn't want to have your smartphone on you all the time okay um, you could have a say the you know like if you had a, a wearable device of some kind that could send you notifications and you had signal set to give you notifications, you would know when somebody was calling and that would have mitigated this. Like there wouldn't be a time where you didn't know that you weren't getting something from signal. But of course the problem with, you know, a lot of these notification devices is effectively you turn into Pavlov's dog, right? So there, there's an issue there too, but really the ultimate answer would be uh, hardware switches, but we're, you know, that's not going to happen, even though I know some companies have tried, but I mean, that that's completely custom kit to do and it takes a lot to get a smartphone off the ground so i just i don't expect that to become a reality the best thing is that we can do is toss these smartphones into a lake of fire absolutely uh all right now that's not the conversation that uh that i actually wanted to have what i wanted to talk about and really this is just more reason to toss the smartphone into a lake of fire not just smartphones though but uh simjacker now we talked about this for a while here's the rub with this one is that while this is something that is solvable, it is something that would take a lot of time, and I doubt that a lot of companies see the financial, uh, have the, the right financial incentive to even solve it. This is also coming from the Hacker News from September 27, 2019. More SIM cards vulnerable to SIMJacker attack than previously disclosed. Let's read a little bit of it here. Remember the SimJacker vulnerability? Earlier this month, we reported about a critical unpatched weakness in a wide range of SIM cards, which an unnamed surveillance company has actively been exploiting in the wild to remotely compromise targeted mobile phones just by sending a specially crafted SMS uh, to their phone numbers. If you can recall, the SimJacker vulnerability resides in in a dynamic SIM toolkit called the SAT browser. It's S and the at symbol, then a T in browser, which comes installed on a variety of SIM cards, including eSIM, provided by mobile mobile operators in at least 30 countries. Now it turns out that the SAT browser is not the only dynamic SIM toolkit that contains a SIMJacker issue, which can be exploited remotely from any part of the world without any authorization, regardless of which handsets or mobile operating systems victims are using. The following SimJacker revelation, uh, Lakatos, a researcher at Geno, or yeah, is it Geno? Geno Security Lab, reached out to the Hacker News earlier this week and revealed that another dynamic SIM toolkit called Wireless Internet Browser, WIB, can also be exploited in the same way, exposing another set of hundreds of millions of mobile phones used uh, 
you know, used to remote hackers. Uh, Lakatos told the Hacker News that he discovered this vulnerability back in 2015, but decided not to disclose it publicly until now because the process to patch such a flaw is complex and most importantly can be abused by, quote, bad guys to control phones running vulnerable sims remotely, end quote. Besides this, uh, Lakatos also claimed that he independently discovered Sat Browser as well and also provided a video demonstration of the sim SimJacker vulnerability with more details that have not yet been published by adaptive mobile security researchers who initially disclosed the issue earlier this month. The WIB toolkit is created and maintained by SmartTrust, one of the leading companies that offers SIM uh, toolkit-based toolkit browsing solutions to more than 200 mobile operators worldwide. And according to some press releases, the list includes AT&T, Claro, uh, Etisalat, KPN, T-Mobile, Telenor, and Vodafone. Now, just for a second on that. Okay, so SimJacker basically uses, I mean, when they use the word browser, it's not exactly like web browser like you imagine. It's more of a browser of, again, it's a toolkit, okay? And it was something designed. Let's be clear about this. The SAT browser, the WIB browser, these were things designed for, I mean, the you know, Lakatos discovered it in 2015, but this has been implemented in SIM cards basically since there have been SIM cards. Back when, you know, dumb phones, feature phones, right, were the norm. And it was something that would end up being used. And, and I think the reason that it was actually developed, okay, the reason it was developed was for, if you remember with feature phones, you used to be able to store, remember how you used to be able to store your contacts and even your, uh, your SMS messages on a SIM card? That's because at the time, I think a lot of companies were thinking that, well, you know, I mean, because again, the, the cell phones at the time were not as mission critical, shall we say, like you weren't doing, well, some countries do their banking on it, right? With M-Pesa, like in Africa and other places, but you weren't really doing a whole, I mean, but that, that has play in this as well, uh, or that's important to this conversation, but you know, you weren't doing a whole lot with them yet, but that you knew everybody was getting their hands on one. And so the idea I think they had was, is that, okay, you're going to change phones often enough. How are you going to solve carrying all of your carrier data and everything else like SMS messages and whatnot? How are you going to carry that from phone to phone as you get new phones? You're just going to swap out your SIM card. And so SIM cards were, you know, were basically like smart cards. If you remember smart cards and you know, that you would put into computers that would, you know, suddenly turn whatever terminal that you walked up to would turn that into, and I, I haven't heard anybody else making this comparison, but I think this is the idea. This is kind of my own little theory. Okay. Where it would just turn whatever terminal, in this case, whatever cell phone you went up to, not smartphone, cell phone that you went up to would turn it into yours instantaneously. To some degree, that's how it works with smartphones, but really the SIM card is just carrying carrier data, like carrier uh, connection data, not your SMS, none of that stuff. The SIM card's an afterthought, but nobody changed all of the new advanced capabilities that were getting put into SIM cards back before there were even smartphones. Nobody bothered to remove all of these advanced abilities. Now, the SIM card interacts directly, okay, with you know, with your, your baseband processor, right? With, with the baseband firmware, which is what actually connects, okay, to, you know, your 4G network or whatever network you happen to be talking about. So there's a very, very direct, and there's no, there's really no software or there's, there's nothing in between that. There's no firewall. And that's, that's the solution is that you could create a firewall that would separate 
these browsers, these toolkits, dynamic toolkits within these SIM cards from whatever else is going on in the phone. But you've got to have the financial incentive to want to, you know, engage in that undertaking. And that's what's so concerning about this. And so that's why I'm telling you, and that's why I didn't talk about it right away. There's really not much you can do about SimJacker. Okay. I mean, there are things you can do. There are things that manufacturers can do, but they have to actually do it. Are they going to do it? I don't know. You know, I mean, it'd be a great thing with, you know, 5, 5G is not a great thing, but since we do have an entire new communication protocol rolling out that a lot of people are probably going to jump on at some point and some point might even be forced and like they'll shut down 4G, who knows? I mean, I don't think they'd ever really do that, but regardless, now's the time to fix this horseshit. Okay. I mean, because it's a problem. It's even an eSIMS, which you can't even pull those out. Big, big issue. I mean, because what SimJacker, I mean, basically with that toolkit, you know, if they, if they, all they have to do, all an attacker has to do is send an SMS message and your ass is owned. Your phone is owned. I mean, they, they, they just, they, they take it right over all remote code injection, the whole business just from an SMS message. This is about as bad as it can get. Now, uh, I mentioned the, the companies that, that this has been an issue for. Um, I have not heard differently, but apparently this only affects GSM. So if you are on CDMA, but there are very few CDMA carriers in the world. And actually, I mean, even CD, even 4G or LTE basically transcends GSM and CDMA anyway. So even then you're not really that secure, but you know, you have Verizon and Sprint that do CDMA and I guess us cellular, you know, but they're, they're kind of a weird company. So you, you I mean, everybody's kind of fucked with this. We don't have a complete list of what, you know, what can be affected by it and whatnot, as far as I have seen, but more or less, everybody's probably screwed. And you know, what's the solution here? Well, I'm not going to get into it now because we're, we're running out of time for this, for this episode, but maybe, maybe in the next one, I'll get into it or in the episode after that. Um, I have a lot of conversations that I have lined up that I want to get into. Um, but I mean, it's not like you're going to stop using your smartphone, which is really the only answer right now. Okay. I mean, I wish that were the reality, but you know, I, I get it. I mean, even I can't exactly stop, right? I still have clients and I have people that I have to interact with in this way. Um, but something I talked about, and if you, if you're not already a member of Zomia one, you can get a, you can get a preview of this conversation, but people were so excited about this or, you know, I, I got such great feedback about it and it's not even necessarily like the newest of ideas, but I think it's something that it's time has come. And that is if you have like an older smartphone, you know, you can, and say it's Android, whatever you can rip that SIM. You don't, you don't have to use, here's the revelation. You can use a smartphone without a SIM card. Now you can't use it to make phone calls, but to do the bulk of what you do with a smartphone. Yeah, you could do that without a SIM card and you could do it, you know, connected. And if there's no SIM card, you're not going to receive SMS. Okay. You have mitigated what SimJacker could do. And so basically, and most of us have old smartphones laying around, you know, maybe they're a couple, two, three, four years old or something like that. And if you did that, if you take one of those, okay. And you just limit how they communicate, but you do a lot of your other stuff on there. I mean, maybe if right now, you know, if you wanted to switch over your banking to using that device or something like that, um, I mean, there, there's options here of using SIMless smartphones or maybe even a tablet. But you run into problems with tablets often enough where they'll say, well, this app isn't compatible with the tablet mode. 
and you can use F droid and maybe there's a solution there. That's, that's certainly a thing, but that's, I mean, the real solution here is we gotta, we have to start putting these smartphones in their place or getting rid of them. But for fuck's sake, don't replace them with echo buds or AirPods. Just get rid of the fucking concept entirely. Okay. We're going to, I know that's a terrible way to end a show, but, <laughs> but it is a conversation that we're going to continue. In fact, maybe I can have a guest on to talk about it because I, I think that would be very interesting. This is a conversation we are going to continue and we're going to continue it. Maybe we'll continue it in our double load this weekend. We'll see. So I did have a movie review I wanted to get into, um, you know, to end this off with something fun. But you know what? I'm going to leave you with the tease. You are going to have to wait till the next episode to get the real resolutions to all this. But I, I hate to have you walking around in any kind of fear. You don't have to fear too much. But I hate to have you walking around in it, but with SimJacker, there's not a whole lot you can do. Anyway, uh, if you want a solution, some of which we have talked about, on, again, on Zomi One content, please go to Zomi1.com and you can sign up for that and get access to it. But don't worry, I'll give you the solution or a potential solution uh, in an upcoming episode and we will cover that. So anyway, that's it for this episode of Sovereign Tech. And I will see all of you whoo, on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.